0: okay so today on the podcast i have the pleasure of being joined by matthew kimberley um matthew is someone i've looked up to and admired for years i first came across matthew when i looked into the book yourself solid system which blew me away and i still recommend it today but what i soon spotted from i would say about eight minutes in of having a conference call of Matthew that I knew he was probably the best thing about it. And I was struggling with how to articulate what I wanted to do in my business. And he gave me this killer tagline. And at the time I was talking about wanting to do branding for coffee shops. And he gave me this line about caffeinate your business. And from that moment on, I was like that guy is not only funny, but he switched on and I immediately signed up and I became, well, I had the pleasure of using Matthew's sort of advice to guide my own business. So when he said yes to coming on here, It was a massive honour and a big catch for me. He's probably one of the biggest guests I've had to date. Um, The reason being is he knows a huge amount about selling and sales and pricing, which is the thing we all struggle with. But he doesn't do it in a conventional way. And a lot of his methods and tactics that I've come across, they only come from him. And I've seen a lot of regurgitated rubbish on the internet, which is other people parroting other ideas, where Matthews are all original and they all work. And so I think that Although you might not be able to afford him quite just yet, the value you're going to get from having his insight is going to be huge for you and your business. So without further ado, Matthew, thank you for coming on. Thank
1: you very much. All, none of my ideas are original fad. I just, I'm very good at disguising other people's ideas it brings up a really important point, right? Well, we? 2019, people have been having ideas for at least, I don't know, what, 5, 10, 50 million years. um, And we all are fed by our experiences and our knowledge. And it's how we we decide to prioritize the stuff that we hear, uh, which leads, I think, to our body of knowledge or or our knowledge, our personal knowledge systems. You say, okay, having Exp- I think the danger is that when you expose yourself to so much information, you don't apply any filters to it, then it just becomes noisy and useless. Um, so
0: if- uh, You've read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's exactly it. It's to overwhelm because you're just getting into something and then something else will pop up and you go, oh, maybe that is what's going to save my business or maybe that will get me the new thing. And, that, and it's so true that the irony is pursuing more education just stops you from actually doing anything.
1: Yeah, and I definitely consider myself a lifelong learner. Uh, but there's something which, uh, you know, learning can be academic or it could be prag- pragmatic and, and useful. Um, so I'd rather learn something because I realize I have a gap of knowledge rather than learning something in case, uh, you know, to avoid having a future gap of knowledge. And, and that's not saying you can't learn for fun. I do a lot of learning for fun. But, you know, if if it's standing, if learning is standing in the way of actually doing things. So one of the reasons I've always been averse to teaching anything related to technology platforms, like because they are just uh, uh, a tool, okay? And tools are critical to getting the job done. You can't build anything without tools unless you want to spend years and years and years and years on it. But what's the bigger problem? You know, the bigger problem for the small business or the freelancer or the bootstrap startup who's kind of three weeks in, the tool is definitely not the issue. It's like giving a novice golfer Uh, a $700 club it's not going to make any difference to their game at all which is why everything I focus my efforts are on are kind of transmitting the importance of the fundamentals the stuff that never gets old the stuff about saying hey if you haven't clearly identified what you do or if you can't clearly talk about what you do or if you say that what you do can help absolutely everybody in the world, or if you're not charging enough to be able to stay in business beyond six months when your own piggy bank runs out, then these are all serious, insurmountable problems that cannot be solved with Instagram or Twitter or Pinterest or Facebook or or Snapchat or TikTok or whatever the kids are using, right? The answer does not lie in the tool. The answer lies in how you wield the tool.
0: And I think that's a really good insight because it is very tempting to go and find Russell Brunson's funnel and go, this could be the funnel that saves me. Um, but as you said, if your business isn't set up right, it's, it's a complete waste of time. And often if you don't know what you're doing, you'll set it up wrong. And the worst thing I've found is I'll set it up and I won't know what I'm doing wrong. That's and you, may,
1: you know, Exactly right. You might be just one funnel away, but you know, why build anything blind? Yes. I'm I'm relatively in the in the two or three areas that I choose to know enough that I don't outsource it um, you know, from a technology point of view. Like I know how to use two or three pieces of technology that I would say are fairly critical to my business. One of them is Infusionsoft, which is the CRM system. The other one is um, ThriveCart, which is super simple, but it's the way that you get money from people. Um, kind of an important one. And the third bit, the third part is Zapier. I'm quite good with Zapier, and I don't say this because I'm proud of it I'm not proud it's just I've recognized that one of them is critical for knowing who your clients are and communicating with them the other one is critical for uh, transacting and getting money and the third part is critical for not having to employ unnecessary resources or spend unnecessary resources on piecing things together so zapier is a software tool that makes other software tools talk to each other and yeah. and I'm in so I'm in three facebook groups like infusionsoft users group thrivecart users group and zapier users group And the questions that are in there from people who are clearly novice, I deal with coaches, so novice business coaches, they're asking the wrong questions. You know, should I be using Infusionsoft or should I be using a roll of toilet paper? It's like they do different jobs. You know, you're asking, you're not even allowed to consider these things today. Because I work primarily with service providers, you actually need... I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, apart from the tools of your trade, so if you're a carpenter, you're going to need your chisel and lathe. And if you're a programmer, you're going to need your desktop or your laptop. But apart from the tools of your trade, you don't need anything other than a way of communicating and a way of accepting money. You, You need nothing else. Now, are there things that will make life easier? Of course there are. When do we get to those? When we realize what's difficult about life. Oh, I need a pair of snowshoes to make my life easier. Well, no, you don't, because you live in the Mediterranean. The advert may tell you they'll keep you dry and warm, but is that what you need? No, you need the opposite. You need a pair of rugged Crocs that you can wear in the seawater and they won't get spoiled. I'm I'm, I'm a big, big proponent of this. Stop talking about that. Walk up to a hundred strangers in your local shopping center and say, hey, I'm a web designer. Have you thought about redoing your website? And they're like, I don't have a website. Great. Well, great. Would you like one? Well, I don't know. I'm a part-time yoga teacher. Do I need one? Well, of course you do. Why don't we have a chat about that? You know. Then if you're a personal trainer, walk up someone, hey, I'm a personal trainer. I'm doing a special promotion at the moment. Would you like to get fit for the summer? Well, well, how would that work? Or, well, no, go away. You know, what's the worst that can happen? You could probably get yourself your first 100 clients from walking, or first 10 clients at least, if you are a service provider who provides services to the general public, and not kind of banking-level security systems to network engineers, by walking up to a hundred strangers.
0: No, it's funny. I had another guy on James Dale, who's um, he's into sales, obviously. You know, like like yourself, and he said a similar thing of like people admire the fact you're prepared to go and see them and say, "I'd like the opportunity to work for you." Or what can I help with? And his thing was like, if you can do one job kind of as a taster, well, then that'll build an endless. It'll build case studies and referrals in that industry and you just keep going. But he said the point was, there's no point being on Instagram DMing people. It's not going to go anywhere. You need to physically get out, meet people and do it and get comfortable with that.
1: I think it certainly gives you an advantage over the people that won't. It's like, I swear by email as well. You know, why would you bother with it? I swear by email, not, not, uh, for not cold emails, not writing to people and saying, hey, do you need your website SEO-ified? Because we are an SEO agency who can SF- SEO-ify your website. Uh, yeah. But using email marketing better than the vast majority of people who use it very badly. Like most people do it badly. So what do you have? Well, you have a chance to do it well by spending 20%, 30% more effort, time, attention on that. Or cold calling. Cold calling is something I would not recommend to 98% of businesses. But there are 2% of businesses that would do very well from cold calling. And if you can do that, like I used to work in a recruitment business, I'd I'd still say to this day, if you're trying to get mid-level managers in large multinational organizations, they're not gonna respond to your emails. If you want to, if you want to address their most urgent needs you must be there just in time and one of the best ways to be there just in time is to remind them that you exist on the telephone and still stand by that so i used to own a recruitment company and 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 i thought well if we can if because everybody hates cold calling and everybody does it badly what about if we could do it 10% better would we have the advantage and i think the answer is yes so if you're prepared to go and see people or just look them at the look them in the eyes and say Hey, it uh, looks like you might need help with something and that's something I could help you with. So do you want to chat? Then you're doing them a favor. I don't you know a lot of sales trainers talk about the very old and tired ABC paradigm you know always be closing which comes from the yeah. 1980s um Glen Garry Glen Ross a David Mamet uh, a play that became a movie which was actually fairly stinging. About the direct sales industry, um, and 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 yet people have jumped on it and say always be closing, and and I've I much prefer the idea that you're always opening and always following up.
0: Okay, so as far as because I think for a lot of people that I know, certainly they say no in their head before they even try it or do anything. Yeah. They'll very much go, I, I I could contact them or I could go and see them, but they probably don't need me, so I won't bother. I'll find someone else. It's you know you're spinning your yeah, wheels.
1: Absolutely, and in that instance, you might as well just give up. Yeah. Yeah. honestly. You know, I have this conversation when I do workshops, particularly in the UK, less so in, in America. In, in the US, I find that people are far more open minded, far more um, hungry. Uh, they've bought into the American dream, which we don't have in the UK. We have a, you know, tall poppy syndrome. Ooh, they're doing well. Yeah. Let's see if we can pick some holes in them and make them fall over. You know? Whereas in the US, yeah. they tend to celebrate success a little bit more. So in the UK, I'll see that. I will stand up and give a two day workshop often. Um, only the low-priced workshops, which I don't do anymore, and then someone come up to me at lunchtime, and then in the evening on the first day, and then they will say, "But you said all of this, but I tried all of this, and it doesn't work." And, I'll, and my answer is always the same now: "It's well, then you might as well just give up and and go home." But 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 because that- they're like challenging me, expecting me to challenge them back. Yeah, Like, you know, if you've got a clearly defined target market, if you've got a single big result, you give you a clearly defined target market, if you can talk about what you do without being a psychopath, um, and if you can, you know, provide your services at a price that people are willing to pay, then of course, people will pay you. But people always stumble, people, many people stumble on one of those fundamental foundational elements, like that they, yeah. they can't talk about what they do is you just switch off. They don't know who they serve. They don't know what they do for these people. You know, I'm a female empowerment coach. Great. If I know any females that are looking for empowerment, I'll send them your way. Said nobody ever. You know, you can be broad once you've built a reputation because you've already forged your mark into the marketplace. But many people who are getting started will say, well, everything you said I've tried, but it just doesn't work. And I say, then you are free to discard all of my information and go home. Give up because they want me to challenge them. Yeah. They challenge me so that I go. No, you're wrong because he- no, no. I've told you. I've told you. What I believe we don't need to get into a fight about it. If it doesn't work for you, don't do it. Leave the marketplace open for us.
0: Yeah, <laughs> which you know, like you said, it's it's it's, it's that thing of I noticed. Um, I think just the practice of talking to people and that when they that when it doesn't matter is is kind of so important. And I found that when you're doing when I was running the hotel or you're doing football coaching the ability just to have conversations with people and get comfortable at that and then you can like you say you know this is what I do I'd love to help you with it the bit I think which you're right on, would you say you need to know who you're trying to serve and what you offer I'd have how would you say when you talk about what you do in an interesting way because we've all been at the dreadful networking we have to stand up and introduce yourself so what tips could you give people to kind of get them excited about talking about what they do
1: um well, well first it's got to be clearly understood all right, so we we drop any kind of corporate jargon that is not going to be clearly understood. But I like to use the supermarket checkout line test. Like, no matter what you say, it should be clearly understood by anybody who is standing in the supermarket queue with you, yeah. whether it's a five year old or an eighty five year old. You don't want to reply to what you do. You say, "Oh, I'm a corporate um, synergy finder. Uh, I maximise stakeholder value in P two P transactions." Because nobody is going to have a clue what you're talking about. Like nobody. Yeah. Not even me. And I just made it up. I don't know what that means, right? Um, whereas if you say, oh, uh, I help people negotiate to reach better outcomes when they're fighting with each other. Or, yeah, bad bad example, I, I help people stop fighting and start loving each other again. Or I help I help married couples stop shouting at each other. Or I help companies buy things cheaper. Yeah. Right. Well, all of a sudden, I think the five-year-old could probably understand that. I help companies buy things cheaper. Oh, my dad was complaining how much he was spending on the corporate and the company car. You should speak to him. Or the 85-year-old is going to say, oh, you should... If you say, you know, I help married couples stop fighting. It's just an immediate, ah, okay, I get it. Um, The other thing that we try to do is avoid using labels because... By labels, I mean job titles. It doesn't mean you're hiding your job title. Yeah. Um, And there's, of course, always a time for it. It's just we really get one chance to say what we do. And it's a great opportunity to have that conversation that you've just spoken about. Um, So if we lead with, for example, I'm a lawyer. Yeah. Then I've got so much, me personally, I have so much baggage around what being a lawyer means. Yes. That I'm going to make a gut call on whether or not I want to continue talking to you. Yes. There might be a follow-up question like, oh, what kind of law? But I'm already expecting you to be either some kind of rapacious corporate raider or, you know, the kind of person who's very good at separating me from my money in exchange for a boilerplate, bo- yeah, temp- templated contract. Or if you've been recently divorced, you might have nothing but animosity towards lawyers. Or if you've been recently cross-examined, you might have nothing but fear around yeah. prosecution lawyers. And and so rather than say that, you actually lead with who you help and what you help do. So if you are a lawyer, you might say, oh, um, I help, uh, I don't know, you might be an immigration lawyer. You might say, oh, I help refugees find a safe place to live. Because yes. the immediate thing that I think, I, what you've basically done, is mini hypnotism. You have put the way that you want to be seen into the head of the person who's talking to you.
0: Yes, that makes sense. So again, right. if we were look at it from like a branding point of view, because people—it's relevant to me, but a lot of people don't understand what branding is. It's quite sort of hard to articulate because it's quite broad. So, what would you say if you right. were talking about branding? Well,
1: let's take the group of people first. That's very important, you know, because the yep. more specific we can be, the better. So, who, who, Fad, in in your case, whether it's hypothetical or real, are you are you helping with branding?
0: Uh, let's just say probably uh, first stage startup people who've just received investment sort of thing
1: okay so how much investment
0: uh i'd probably say that the first sort of range of angel run funding so they've just been given enough money to kind of polish their brand so they can get it to market and grow it sort of thing so it's it's that they've been doing successful they've received funding they want to look more professional uh and so they would come to someone like me to give them that kind of polished look any kind of startup uh no I should probably be more specific but I guess probably let's like, say sports startups. Or-
1: okay, I tell you why it helps to be specific because every time you're more specific you um if you if you imagine that you're fishing with a fishing line in an enormous ocean which yeah. in your case is startups. Well, no, a bigger o- the ocean might be businesses. And then you've got small businesses, which is a slightly smaller part of the ocean, and then you've got startups, which are a smaller part of the ocean, but your fishing line is still going all over the shop. You know, you can't even find it after you drop it. Whereas if you would say sports startups or health startups or supplement startups or or software startups or financial technology startups, what you then do is you... it becomes more like, as the uh, analogy goes, shooting fish in a bucket. It allows people to, relevancy is one of the most important parts of the message. And you have to, people say, is it relevant to me? No, okay, but it could be relevant to somebody else. And it's better to be like 100% relevant or 0% relevant Mm -hmm. than be kind of 60% relevant. Because 60% is like, I could take it or leave it. 100% is I got to have it. 0% is I don't have it. But I do know somebody who is a sports startup, so let's say that it's a sports startup. I don't know exactly what that means, but it doesn't matter. Um, and you do better branding for them. So what's the result of having better branding?
0: Uh, I guess that you can charge more money, and you can attract a certain target market or break into a new market.
1: Okay, so that in itself is specific enough, right? You could, if okay. you want, if you want to stop there, you could say, "Well, I help sports startups who've just got their first funding uh, break into that next market." Well, that's okay. super specific, and you can become the guy to call when you need, you know, when when it's market penetration time. Yeah, or we might go a couple of steps down the line. What happens when we attract a different target market? What happens when we charge more? What happens when we break into a new market?
0: So, yes, obviously, I, I guess first one. If you can charge more, you can make more, you can grow your business quicker, um, things like that. I guess that, you know that's like all of them. It's going to be just more opportunity to grow your business and make more money. Absolutely,
1: get rich, get ripped, and get laid we can't go wrong with those three those three kind of big dangly carrots right so yeah. g- g- book more revenue okay that's it i help i help sports startups who've just received their first round of funding uh, book more revenue yeah well how do you do that well no one's going to give you money if you look like uh, your website was designed in 1996 are they no and, and why do people you know why is it that the ritz can charge you know, 50 bucks for a champagne cocktail and the dog and duck down the road doesn't even sell champagne cocktails. Well, because of the kind of clientele that you attract, right? Right. So how do yeah. you attract the right crowd? By letting them know what you stand for. So I do I do work like that. You want to attract better customers, break into new markets, make more money. I'm your man. Okay. Perfect. That, that sounds interesting. Happy to talk. Yes. You know, well, then I'm a branding specialist. Have you thought about, in, you know, um, investing in your brand? As you said already, Thad,
0: no one knows what it means. No, that it is a big problem. For, like for me personally, it's hard. It's not very tangible for people. To I bet get. you get.
1: Well, I do. I was thinking about getting a new logo.
0: Yes, or a new website right. or stuff like that. And it, this is, yeah, it's, it's close to my heart because it's this kind of weird, how do you quantify what you're going to do to people? But as you said, it's kind of, it does boil down to if I can help you attract the right type of person, you can expand your business because you can make more money and that's what i can help
1: you do i mean there are nuances of course and and communications is so important and depending on who's buying and who you're talking to in your marketing copy in your sales conversations there will be different vocabulary to use Uh, but if it's the person who benefits from increased revenue or decreased costs then that's typically the angle we're going to go with now if you're selling training services to a human resources department to help them improve corporate social responsibility and diversity programs, you're probably not going to use those words. You know, their urgent yeah. needs and their compelling desires are not related to how much money the company makes, although they may be incentivized by that at some level. That's not their most urgent need. Their most urgent need is to not get slapped with a fine by the Equality Commission. You know, yeah. it's, to, it's to make sure that they're their inclusive ...ness, forgive me if that's not a word, policies are are legal and up to date. So if you're a, a consultancy or a training provider that helps, basically, if it's somebody's most urgent, pressing need or most compelling desire, in their own words, not yours, then that's something and you can genuinely help them with it. And that's like a, that's like a, imagine that you fly to Arizona, you want to go on holiday uh, and you decide that what you definitely want to do is a hot air balloon ride or flight. It's called hot air balloon flight across the Arizona desert, at some stage during your day, your most compelling desire is to find a hot air balloon flight that you can afford to book for you and your family. And if you are the hot air balloon pilot who happens to intercept or cross paths with you at that point, you've got a done deal. right? So you're appealing to – if your most compelling desire is to do an affordable, exciting hot air balloon flight across the Arizona desert, we are your people. Holy crap. Thank you. You you were exactly what I was looking for right now. Well, yeah, we kind of did our market research.
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh, this, is, this is good because this is, I think, a lot of people, they struggle in the beginning. They're scared to niche down. It's this thing of, and then that's where all the problems come from because you can't find your audience because it's too broad. You can't be specific in your message because it's too vague. And therefore, you don't cut through, you don't resonate, and you often get judged on price and there's always someone willing to undercut you so it's like right. a vicious cycle isn't
1: it so i've got a thing yeah and this is the perennial problem and a very practical tip for dealing with that is i think it helps if you there's two ways of doing it one that i prefer one is to not announce that you are very very tightly focused mm-hmm. but to have that as an internal company policy so For example, I might say sales improvement for small business owners. That might be the tagline on my website. But I know from a marketing point of view that I can't go after small business owners. I have to go after plumbers. I have to go after recruitment companies. I have to go after advertising agencies with fewer than 10 employees. I have to go after companies in the north of England. I have to go after companies in the western part of uh, Idaho, You know, it it doesn't matter. You've got to be far more specific from a market penetration point of view. Your your marketing resource is limited, whether it's money or or time and energy. You know, if you're going to buy some advertising, let's say on Facebook, because most people are familiar with it, you can't say I'm going to advertise to everybody in the world all the time because your resources will run out within seconds. You just don't have the budget to do it. So you must refine it so that your budget. Whether it's cash or or time or, or relationships or whatever that might be doesn't get exhausted. So you might say web design for small business owners, but you may focus a hundred percent of your efforts behind the scenes on talking to plumbers in a person in a, in a specific postcode. Because when you keep showing up, then the echo chamber starts to work in your favour. Who do plumbers know? Other plumbers. Why? Because they were at plumber school together. Yeah. Right. So wow, you got a great website. Yeah, thanks. Thad did it. Okay, fantastic. Well can I have his number? And then Thad you call him because you happen to be calling plumbers in the same postcode this quarter. Um yep. and I go, Ah, Thad, yeah, I heard about you. I was having a conversation with you while we were on the golf course the other day. Two of my friends said that they'd had a conversation with you, and one of them has even hired you. I would be very interested in talking. I saw the great work you did for Pete. Yeah. Okay, so that's one option. One option is you don't announce it front and center but you must make it your hunting ground. If you are a freelancer or somebody who wears multiple hats in your business, you've got to give yourself the same instructions that you would give a marketing or a sales employee. And you wouldn't say, do whatever you want. Well, no, I, hope, I hope I I hope, hope you wouldn't. You may hire a consultancy because you don't know what to do. But if you yes. were to hire an employee, you'd say, here's our target market. We want to go after everybody who owns a fitness center in um, northwest of England. Yeah. here's a list of 3,000 of them, make contact with all of them, multiple times, right? That's the typical advice. Whereas when we're wearing our own hat, we do kind of hang the shingle. When we're just wearing one hat and doing every... Sorry, when we're wearing multiple hats and we're on our own, we do kind of hope that the business comes to us. Option one, that's actually not my preferred option. It's not my preferred option because it means that casual visitors who come to your website or who read your business card or who hear you talk or who read about you in a magazine are going to say, oh, they help small business owners. And there is no urgency for me to call you because the relevancy is not at 100. We want to be hyper-relevant. I would much rather that you have on your website, we design killer websites. Let's say you're a web designer. We design killer websites for spas and fitness centers in the northwest of England. Right? So if I am a spa or fitness center in the northwest of England, I'm going to come to your website and all of a sudden... I'm going to be caught like a deer in the headlights. Whether I buy or not, is, is, it's not say this and people will magically buy. It's not that at all. It's just the right person will say, ah, this message is clearly aimed at me. Correct? Yeah. Now, yes. if I'm not, and so you go public with that. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. Here's who I do it for. And that's where you you lay your stake in the ground and you that relevancy, that that, that congruency, that, that magnetic field of clarity surrounds you from day one and you are on message all the time. Now, what's going to happen is people are going to come in from outside of your target market and they get a contact you and they're going to say, hey, I see that you work with spas and fitness centers in the northwest of England. We're in the northeast of England. Do you think you might be able to help us with a website? And then you can say, yes, <laughs> right? <laughs> or they might say, well, we're not a spa or fitness center. We have a hotel. Do you think you can help us? And you can say, yes, right? Or it's yeah. like Starbucks. When Starbucks first opened, um, and my uh, great friend and excellent Book Yourself Solid coach, Anna Malikin, um, first mentioned this analogy to me. When Starbucks, which is truly without target market now. Tar- tar- you know, Starbucks target market is probably people who drink at Starbucks right now. Yeah. So, um, but in, in the beginning, it wasn't. It was one store in Seattle. And they had their resources only allowed them to choose one location and advertise and market to one location and serve coffee to people in one location because the logistics of a coffee business don't allow you to, yeah, sure, I'll say yes, I'll I'll quickly run to the other side of the country and give you a coffee. It's just not allowed, right? It's not possible. So when they hung up their shingle and said, we do great coffee for people who live or work in the neighborhood... That was great because people who lived and worked in the neighborhood knew where to get great coffee. Yeah. When people were visiting from out of town, let's say they came up from, I don't know, California, and they'd say, hey, I've heard you do great coffee. I don't live or work in the neighborhood. Starbucks were like... What does it matter? You can still have a coffee. <laughs> they didn't say, Get out! We only serve this target market. So that's actually my preferred way of doing it because you're crystal clear about who you serve and what you do for them, but you also allow strangers in.
0: Okay, so, and that seems to be uh, the location element is really important because it just helps you focus your efforts, isn't right. it? I use saying, location
1: because it's an easier, it's a more tangible and easy way to describe things. I think for the vast majority of people, there's enough business in their backyard.
0: Yeah, unless that makes you live sense in as well.
1: in the middle of nowhere, and I know you live in the middle of nowhere, and and you know perhaps there isn't enough. It doesn't have to be geographical. It could be by industry size. It could be by gender. It could be by hair color. It could be by uh, religious leaning. It could be by whether or not you've read a book about something. You know, people who've read book yourself solid, come and join our book club. You know, so yes. there's it, it doesn't. It just has to be the person who hears it has to say that is me or that isn't me. And they, it must be clear enough that they can identify that if it isn't them, that it's somebody else that they know.
0: Yes. And that makes a lot of sense. When I've said, if I want to work with hotels, a lot of people go, well, I don't know anyone who knows, who needs branding, but I do know a couple of people who work, who, who own hotels. I could talk to them. Right. All of a sudden, it's like, it, 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 as you say, it's, it's for the other person to set something off in their mind so you're easy to remember. And that's the key, isn't it?
1: And sometimes the language that you use will help. Like if you say, I work with hotel owners, well, that probably excludes the big corporate megaliths mm-hmm. that are owned by committees and shareholders, right? So you're talking to the person who owns a hotel, might be an owner-operator, or or might be the Sultan of Brunei, I don't know. But but you do exclude a certain swathe of organizations just by the way that you talk about things.
0: Yeah, that's that's huge, actually. That's very, very helpful, because I know uh, I might have mentioned you, but I, a lot of people who have contacted me, they're looking to go f- full-time freelancing, and it's always tricky because you've got the job and you've got to find the energy to find the time outside of work. And I believe that the best thing is kind of to do that transition slowly because often if you've got bills and people at home, it's, it's too risky and you'll just run out and fail if you just drop everything and leave. One of the, the greatest things I've read uh, is your five things to do every day, PDF. And I keep talking about it all the time. <laughs> Can you just, uh, for those who haven't, uh, it, I will include a link to it. But could you just explain what the thinking is behind that and how it's so important as far as getting clients and, and staying sort of top of mind?
1: Right. Absolutely. So it's 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 right from the book yourself solid playbook. Uh, so I take no no credit for the the originality. It's one of my non original ideas. Uh, They're but it's just it's just kind of the golden rules. People have been doing it. So I've uh, people say you need a new lead magnet every three months I've never changed my opt-in lead magnet in however many eight years of doing this nine years of doing this never changed it because it's just evergreen um, technology agnostic it's it's the golden rules I think for how to maximize the opportunities that come your way so we have three currencies when we're in business one is uh, money one is time and the other is relationship capital Uh, and Money and time, well, time is is, you can't get back again. Money you can get back again. It's not a finite resource. Um, And relationship capital is the most powerful of those. Relationship capital makes your money go further and your time go further. And what I mean by that is let's say that you want to spend some money on advertising in a newspaper. If you have a good relationship with the advertising sales executive, you will get more advertising for your money. If you have a pre-existing relationship with the person who's selling you the advertising, they are going to give you better deals. Yeah. Another thing that you might do to get clients is invest time and energy uh, in content marketing or speaking opportunities, maybe a free speaking opportunity. Now, if you're looking for free speaking opportunities, they are abundant. But if you don't have good relationships with meeting planners and conference organizers, don't be surprised if you have to work 20 to 30 times harder to get your foot anywhere near the stage. However, if mm-hmm. you do have a good relationship with a mar- with a meeting organizer, you may find that all of these ma- free marketing opportunities come to you. So the trouble is most people neglect their relationships. So the five things that you need to do every morning is super simple. It's, it says draw up a list of X number of people. Um, I recommend at least 30, but you could have 280 um, or more, if you wanted, um, drop a list of people and approach them on a daily basis and keep your relationships warm. And and there, I, I give in in the in the guidebook some specific examples of how to do that. Um, you can introduce people to each other. You can um, share your compassion just say hey happy birthday or hey i saw your new facebook photo you look beautiful uh, or you can say hey i'm sitting in a coffee shop where we had coffee three years ago and i'm thinking of you how's life but you're going to pick you're going to do this in a structured way so you're going to have a spreadsheet or preferably a uh, well, preferably uh, something which is more than pen and paper. Uh, CRM system is an excellent idea. You could just use free Google Sheets if you want. And on the left-hand column, you have name of the person that I think I should be staying in touch with because relationships with these people is important. And then the right-hand side, uh, the right, the second column, it's the date you last contacted them. You're yep. going to you know, flip it uh, hit the filter button so that the oldest or the, mo- or the or the most recently contacted are at the bottom and the people who are due a catch up with you are at the top and do you know reach out to them every day like not all of them every day but if you do three or four a day from a list of 300 um then within or if you do three or four a day from a list of 100 how many days is that uh if three times a hundred three three thirty 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 days later yeah yeah 30 days later you've contacted three people a day from a list of 100 30 days later you've contacted 100 people right yeah um and how many people have decent relationships with 100 people not many but if you can drop a list of 100 people and you contact three a day and you say you you use one of the suggestions for outreach that i have in my guide whether it's let's you know let's grab coffee or let me introduce you to, or hey, I saw this and I thought of you, whatever that might be, um, they're going to just remember that you exist and it mm-hmm. helps you. There's nothing worse than reaching out to someone asking for a favor after you haven't had any contact with them for three years. right? Yeah. That's saying You're very good at this, Thad. You know, I, I assume that I'm on your list because every now and again, I'll get a message from you. They'll be like, hey, buddy, how are you? How's life? What's going on? That's great because that's all it needs that's all it needs just a little text message a handwritten note uh, i'm going to be in town do you want to grab coffee it doesn't have to be complicated then there's another part which is really important you don't most of us don't need more friends Well, some of us do um, but a lot of us don't need more contacts we need higher quality contacts right how many of you listening to this have got five thousand facebook friends you haven't got a clue who they are Mm -hmm. probably probably some of you um, there are going to be some people in your life who can help you get things that you don't have today for your business more easily if they knew, if they were in your life. Yeah. Coming back to my previous example, if you don't yet know any meeting organizers or if you don't yet know any advertising sales executives, if those people are the kind of people who are going to be important to you in the future, get to know them now before the future comes. So that's making friends with strangers. I really think we should make an effort to reach out to strangers on a regular basis. Now, the highest status, and by status, I mean levels of connectivity that you have with people. This is a kind of really rewarding exercise because you know, people tend to move in similar circles. If you want to elevate, this, is, this isn't being arrivist; it's not being mercenary, but it is being strategic about who you spend your time with. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, from a business development point of view, which I think is really important. If you might find that once you start to penetrate a level above, let's say you don't know anyone. Let's say you can easily get into a... to speak to a workshop of 20 people locally. You can do that easily, but you don't know how to speak to a workshop of 300 people at the national level. All right, let's say that's a market you want to break into. Chances are, once you know two or three people within that arena, within that area, within that strata... Every next step becomes easier because you've got points of relevancy to touch base on. Like, hey, Thad, um, uh, I was talking to three people who know you. They said, you're super cool, and I'm going to be in your part of the world. Can I buy you a coffee? Right? Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? if, you, if you're at all interested, then you'll maybe touch base with these people. Go, hey, is this guy cool? And they'll be like, yeah, Matthew Kimberly, he's the coolest. And be like, okay well definitely i have I'll have coffee with you then, Matthew, right. You find that more doors open, the more doors are open It's like yes. rich people get rich for doing nothing right the 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 wealthier you are, the less you have to pay for things. It's a bit like that, so you can work hard at that. you can either complain that you ain't got a sugar daddy to buy you access to these things, or you can go and find your own sugar daddy by, by nurturing new relationships. So my five things guide is really just a, a suggestion for how to spend the first 15 minutes of your day to make sure that your relationship capital is healthy and you're wealthy from a relationship point of view. Because when you've got great relationships, you're gonna have more money, you're gonna have more time, you're gonna have more rewarding experiences than if you didn't have those relationships.
0: And I think a really, I mean, I just noted on Netflix. There's a really good documentary about Clarence Avant, who is this guy in the '60s who was connected to everyone, and he was just the Godfather who just controlled everyone. And it's kind of that that documentary is fantastic because was you it, get
1: to what's his name, Clarence Avant. Clarence
0: Avant. Yeah. So let me look it up. where I've got it here. But it was um, he's basically he was so well connected in behind the scenes, so nobody wanted to know. He wasn't interested in stardom. But it's called the Black Godfather on Netflix. It's amazing, and it's kind of like all these record labels he started, all these things he did, and he was always so. When everyone, anyone wanted anything, they called him and spoke to him, and he made it happen. And it's fantastic, and it's a bit like um, I was listening to your excellent podcast, Get a Grip, with John Cochrane. He was saying the same thing. He was deliberately looking at how can I meet people to build my own network, to you know, yeah. with a future view of like you know, this is going to help me out in the future.
1: John's a total machine at that. Yeah, John is very, very strategic. John is one of the people who knows everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, they like say it's not always what you know, it's who you know and that is Listen, so it, important.
1: It doesn't mean you have to have an unlimited Rolodex and I, and I know for many people relationships are overwhelming. Like I'm terrible with email. I am mm-hmm. awful with email. In fact, I'm awful right, at all very almost, good emails. No, no, that's but I mean respon- <laughs> responding to emails. Like I'm yeah. very, very poor at responding to pretty much any medium of communication for which i am responsible for answering so if i get a text message unless it's like unless it needs a response like right now like uh mr Kimberly, your children are standing outside school and they and are you coming to pick them up like that's obviously yeah. going to get an answer like yes on the way shit sorry thought it was <laughs> thought it was one o'clock it's actually three um if if it's hey buddy how are you just catching up Hope you will. i'm like oh great that's just dropped me a line i look forward oh yeah yeah I'll definitely get back to him in a minute close the message forget about it for the rest of my life right yeah so many of us don't need more relationships but we do need to allocate more time to strengthening some specific ones so you don't have to be overwhelmed like um we recommend a network of 90 like 90 names three a day 30 days a month it will take you like probably if you do it well two minutes just to check in with the most important people in your life because some of them you'll have already checked in with organically. Uh, some of them will be a "Hey, happy birthday." Um, others it will be a I don't know a nude photograph of yourself or something. Whoever's on your list, you yeah, know they're going to get different communications. Um, yeah. But but you you don't you don't you you don't have to have ninety. You could have nine. If today you have nobody, you could have ten to twenty people who are going to bolster you. And and you've got to be selfish about this. This is yeah. I wouldn't put my mother on this list. Because you should be contacting your mother probably anyway. But I would... Your mum's
0: on a CRM, it's a real problem.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Um, If you need to do that, do that. But this is really... You've got to think about it from a purely um, selfish point of view. Like you're doing this. This is a business exercise. This is a marketing exercise. It just so happens that it's going to be the best marketing you ever do because you actually strengthen real relationships, but don't yeah. be afraid to say, oh, I shouldn't contact them because it sounds. I'm um, I, I, you know, i so famous for this now. Often I'll reach out to people and they'll be like, oh, I must have come up in your CRM. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, Matthew, 45 days since we heard from you. I was wondering when this was going to happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's great because also once you've done that initial contact, it, it's much like you say, if you meet someone for a coffee or you or you phone them up or, or just have a chat with them, it's much easier to then just stay in touch using technology so a couple of emails and a text and then it's probably time to meet again and i think that often they're gonna they're working for you aren't they because if you like I said you as you talked about before if you know what you do for people and who you want to work with and they know they're going to find opportunities when you're not around and you don't need a big monstrous network you know that you've got to constantly keep engaged just a few really well chosen people
1: but you know the world is so interconnected now that it's Mm. people are more accessible than ever before like if you appreciated somebody's book you there is a 50-50 chance that you can send them a direct message either by email or Twitter or something like that to say hey I just read your book and I really enjoyed it thank you Like, you couldn't do that 25 years ago. You'd have to write a letter and it would go to their fan club. They probably never even saw it, you know. Um, If you leave an Amazon review for an author, I guarantee you, even if they are J.K. Rowling, they are reading every single Amazon review that is left for their books, right? So you have an opportunity to make an impression. Um, You remember when you put uh, Gary Vee's face on a billboard in New York?
0: Oh yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: So Gary V, you you could at him and be ninety percent certain that he saw it and also that it was remarkable enough that you know whoever manages his social media accounts would have said, Hey Gary, have you seen this? Yeah. But also, you know, you are the six degrees of Kevin Bacon is now the three degrees of Kevin Bacon for most people. There is no doubt that well, I know for a fact that Gary staff saw that because yeah. they were you know directly put into contact. With him, yes. with people who sit with him on a daily. Hey, have you seen this? Yeah, this is really cool. You know, so I think I think the opportunities using social media and the the, the fact that people want to be connected nowadays, mm. they just don't. They also want their time to be respected. So the the, the tightrope to walk is to be. I, I don't like the word adding value. You know, I think you can add value by lending somebody your umbrella. Um, yeah. or, or I met Dean Kane uh, at an event we both spoke at. Dean Kane was the s- Superman He spoke at, he and I both spoke at Todd Herman's first 90 day year event. Yeah and we were the uh, San Diego Padre's field for the VIP party uh, sitting in the box area and the mi- I walked in with him and the minute we walked in, he just got swamped like people wow. wanted his photo, they wanted his selfies. I thought what how can I add value here? And I said, Dean, would you like a drink? And he said, yes, please, brother, I'd love one. And that was it, right? So I, I went and got him a glass of wine and <laughs> saved him a trip to the bar and gave him some sanity. So I think you've got to tread the, the tightrope between um, I want people to notice me, but I don't want to be a stalker.
0: Yes. like yes, right. I don't so want You want to be noticed, weird. but not needy. And that's the, that's the difference. Exactly but- right.
1: And I think the best thing is endorsements from third parties. So growing, you know, this guy's cool
0: yeah no that makes you know, a huge difference I've
1: had that a lot you know people have people have contacted me and said hey I want to be on your po- uh, I'd like to have you as a guest on my podcast I've never heard of them I see that let's say Chris Ducker has been on their podcast and I'll say hey buddy how was it was it was it cool were, were they cool and he'll be like yeah it was great or no it was a complete waste of time don't do it you know so so yes we check in it with it
0: bypasses a huge amount though because it's kind of like you say if you get an ind- if you're if it's relevant and you get an endorsement you'll probably overlook a huge amount because of the, the the quality of the referral in a way. So it's if you're a designer and they go, they were great, even if you went to their website and you were like, not that bothered, you, you would overlook all of that in favor of your friend's recommendation. Which always, always, yeah. always.
1: And never forget that from a marketing point of view as well. You know, if you yeah. want to get the number one source of business, it's referrals and recommendations. No doubt. They cost less to acquire. They're easier to deal with. They already know how much you're going to charge. They come, you know, chances are good people hang out with other good So They're going to be referring them to you. But 100%, you know, I, I, as you as you become, as more people know your name, yeah, you know, as you do more stuff. And I've chosen a relatively public life um as much as my face has been on the front of my products and services since since day one you know, you do find that demands on your time become more and more frequent and people do want to catch up or hey if you're in town you know why don't we grab a coffee to the extent that i will no longer advertise where i am until i've been there <laughs> yeah, like unless i have a like i'll say you know i i spoke to some chiropractors in miami last week no problem you say i will be speaking at this chiropractic event um, yes but i'm not going to say hey guys uh you know who just getting into lax because i'm going to get you know five people who i don't know saying oh how long are you here for we should meet up well, i know we shouldn't i don't want to, <laughs> want to meet up <laughs> i don't know you and that is you know that that sounds terrifying to me i'm sure you're lovely but the prospect of sitting down with a stranger for yeah. 30 minutes who who knows who i am but i don't know who they are geez that's like a grilling right whereas yeah. if one of my friends like if you were to say hey you should meet Bob, when you're in New York, I'd be like, cool, let's do it.
0: Yeah, it's a totally, I vetted Bob and endorsed him so you, That's you can That's absolutely right, 100%. Um,
1: and I frequently get asked for introductions to people, and I frequently say, uh, you know, the very best way for you to make this request is to fill in the contact form on their website and feel free to drop my name.
0: Yeah, like it makes a massive difference. That's a huge good insight. Yeah. The other question I wanted to ask you about, because I know your time is precious so it won't be too much longer, but Pricing is mm. a nightmare. And it's kind of, what's your kind of take on pricing your work and trying to uh, get a good, how do you know when you're underpricing? And how do you know, how can you test the limits of what do you think is available without kind of, I don't want to exploit the client. I don't, I don't really believe in, well, it's this is my normal price. But if I do value-based pricing approach on you, I'm going to try and triple that. I'm not into exploiting people. I'm into kind of giving people the tools to price with confidence.
1: Um, yeah, it's a huge question, as you said. I, th- I think you know, pricing should be a huge win for everybody. Like The person who's buying it is thrilled to spend the money to get that. Like yeah. I value your services, Thad, more than I value the money in my pocket that I'm going to give to you, or I wouldn't give it to you. It wouldn't yeah. be an exchange that I would entertain if I valued my money more than your services and I had the choice, I wouldn't buy um, yeah. Now, if I didn't have the choice, like taxes or emergency plumbers or breakdown services, that's another thing. You can pretty much charge what you want when you have a monopoly and somebody's need is great enough, or healthcare professionals. you know, That's why we see gouging with, with pharmaceuticals, particularly in the US. Um, yeah. But when the buyer has a choice, we want them to be thrilled yeah. to hand over the money, and we also want the vendor to be thrilled because the vendor values the money more than they value the service. Otherwise, they would keep mm-hmm. the service and reject the money. So question one is, are you thrilled? Yeah. Question two is, is your customer also thrilled?
0: hmm
1: Right? <laughs> um, now, I think controversially, some things in our industry, and when I say our industry, I mean the education, business education industry, that's my industry, uh, are overpriced. I think some information is overpriced. If a textbook can be had for $200, why is the online version of the textbook $1,997? <laughs> yeah, yes. <yeah. laughs> If I can buy a DVD of a Hollywood movie for £10, <laughs> which, well, the you know, the number of people and the amount of money that went into making that movie was multiple millions, do I want to buy your screen share video for £1, yes. £1,997? Okay. So, you know, in some instances, I think things are overpriced. I don't think premium pricing is for everybody, but... You've got to look at it from a business model point of view. Let's say, for example, I work with coaches. They all want to earn six figures. So a bare minimum, from a business model point of view, you've got to have 10 clients at 10K or 20 clients at 5K or 100 clients at 1K. Which is your model? Which one do you feel most comfortable with? Um, I don't believe that a 20K product is more difficult to sell than a 1K product. That is a stupid sentence in a vacuum. Because, you know, a a 1K product might be easy to sell if you're at a charity auction with millionaires in the audience and your 1K product is a lottery ticket. You know, Um, a 20K product may be very easy to sell if the person in front of you has got a budget 40K for a website. So there's too many moving pieces to say. So it doesn't matter whether you're going down the premium route or whether you're going down the economy route. Um, what matters is that you're thrilled, your client is thrilled, um, makes sense for your business model and you can justify your position in the market. Um, Justifying your position in the market means if someone comes to you and says, I'm looking for a five-page, I'm going to go with websites again, I'm going to add like a five-page website that looks good and does this, this, this and this and you say, great, that will be Mm -hmm. £10,000 and they then say, oh, because the person next door will do it for £5,000. You've got to be able to justify why you're twice the price. Yeah. Is it the quality of your finishings? Yes. Is it the care and attention you put into it? Yes. Is it your professionalism? Yes. Is it your responsiveness? Yes. Is You know, you can earn the right to charge more. What's the difference between a yeah. premium economy seat and an economy seat? One and a half inches.
0: Yeah.
1: You know. Yet we will like spend a thousand bucks more on it. So, so we've just got to be able to justify the price. Premium pricing is absolutely correct. You know, I was in uh, Miami recently. I stayed at the Best Western Hotel which was 80 bucks a night, right next door to the Ritz, which was $800 a night. Uh, and every evening I would eat and drink at the Ritz and then go to sleep in my $80, $80 bed, <laughs> right? So I'd, uh, I... But the Ritz was fully booked and my place wasn't. So, you know, what's the...
0: <laughs> no it's very strange you You had it in thailand it was that you had the i think the marriott next door to where we were staying Uh and i was trying to say to my son i was like can you understand why people pay more for the marriott because it's the same stretch of beach we just separate you know so it's a real interesting point but like i said the marriott was full our place that we normally stay at was cheap and cheerful and wasn't busy at all so you know
1: people will pay more you know and once you've got The experience and the income and the... Like, would you ever go back... If you you currently drive a car that costs £30,000, would you ever willingly go back to a car that costs £12,000? Probably not. You know, if you frequently fly business class across the Atlantic, it's really fucking difficult to go back to economy, right? It's so difficult. If you uh, frequently buy your shoes from Louis Vuitton... It's more difficult to go to Clarks for your next pair. So, you know, your pricing must be justifiable to your marketplace. Um, But don't ever say, you know, my, and I hear this a lot again in the coaching industry, well, my clients can't afford it or my clients aren't used to paying for it. Because let me tell you that someone somewhere is paying for it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, You're just so got, you you attracting attractive. wrong people. So that's that's a bigger conversation. You know, it's, it's more easy to deal with specifics. Typically what I say, if someone comes to, me, comes to me and says, you know, I currently charge two and a half grand for a three-month coaching package, but I'm really interested in raising it, what do you recommend? Mm-hmm. And I hate that it sounds so flippant and petulant and adolescent, but the only answer to that is when you next have a sales conversation raise it yeah that's the only way right well should i offer this 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 no no well maybe but that's the secondary question the first question is why are we having a hypothetical question about whether or not your market will pay you five thousand dollars why don't we ask them And not in a hypothetical way. It's like, oh, great. You want to do some coaching with me. So one of my first corporate clients years and years and years ago uh, wanted, it was a recruitment company. I just sold my recruitment company uh, or sold my half of my recruitment company. And and I went in, moved country, moved to Malta, went and sat down with a a client who uh, still do some consulting with today. And I knew that I wanted 10 grand for the year. I wanted to be on call to go in and do a few days training every month. And I wanted 10 grand for the year. This was about 10 years ago and uh and as i sat down and they said how much will it cost i said and that'll be twenty thousand right because i just said it yeah and he scratched his head he goes oh that that was a lot more than we were anticipating and i did what i hope i teach people to do which was shut up didn't say a word nodded and smiled and his exact words were, would 18,000 be acceptable to you? And so in my stomach, I'm dancing somersaults because this is the best news ever. <laughs> but of course, I breathe deeply. Wow. <sighs> and say well if we could commit to a 2 year contract yes i could commit to that 18000 and what happened is i walked out with a 36000 contract when i really would have walked away with 8000 frankly cuz if i said i want 10 and he'd said well give me 8 then i would have gone oh, okay but instead just by asking now it doesn't mean that your clients will pay it but it's we have to get that out of the way first well it's, yep. you know you could have a 1000 dollar burger but if you're not prepared to put it on the menu forget about it
0: yes no, I, I couldn't agree more. I had it with a client. I was inspired. You did a really good session in the Facebook group, and you were talking about why is it that my clients always pick the lowest offer? And you go, well, take it away, so they can't pick it. <laughs> and what we did, we did that. We took her lowest offer away. We doubled all the prices of her. Now her middle offer, her top offer is now her middle offer. We bumped it all up, and I said, just do it. And I actually, I think I was like, going. look, Matthew told me to do this. I'm telling you, do it. And she went to a trade event and um, she put out her prices, just terrified people laughter. And she said, nobody even batted an eyelid. They go, OK, that's fine. Sometimes that's.
1: Sometimes it's not the answer. Sometimes there are other problems which are deeper, like your offer isn't very attractive, or you're not very good at talking about what you do, or you're not very likable, you're not very relevant, or your your materials are clearly substandard. You know, there's there's a Mm. thousand things that it could be. But what if it is just the pricing? Wouldn't we be? Mental thing, isn't it? Yeah, simple but not. It's that thing of you. Simple but not easy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but but as you say, the only person who can change it is you. So why not change it? See what the market says. You can always go slide backwards to what you're doing, but then you need to look at why won't they pay that for my pricing? So maybe I've got to do other things or I've got to communicate other things or try a different group if I want to get those prices. Like I said, it's a mental thing. And I think, like I say, not arbitrary doubling your prices for the sake of it, but just I'm going to put them up by say 50% with every new client I get until people stop paying it. At least I know what I'm worth to my market now and how can I, then I can work on improving on that.
1: Absolutely right. Uh, yeah, totes.
0: So finally, just to wrap up, I've um, going back to the beginning, I've always been a huge fan, and I came across you in the Book Yourself Solid system, which I recommend to people regularly. And I'm very keen to kind of um, – I think what's great about that is a really easy system to follow. Another thing you taught me, which was to develop your own system for whatever you do and own the IP around that. And that's just a side point. I tell that to people now about whatever you do, develop your own five or six step process and and, and give it a name and own it because that's massive. But when it comes to Book Yourself Solid, I refer people back to that. Um, and I wanted to know, I was going to ask you lots of questions, but that's kind of a good place to start, isn't it? If they want to follow up with you and keep in touch, they can follow you on various platforms and we'll list those in a minute. But the Book Yourself Solid system, you would you'd say that's something to definitely look back into and anyone hearing this to definitely look into 100% 100% so my
1: journey is you know I used to run a recruitment company and I discovered book yourself solid then and it transformed the company into something that had a buyer um, and and then I started teaching it. I became certified as a book yourself solid coach licensed coach loved it fell in love with it adored it to the point that I begged the creator of the system a guy called Michael Port to give me a job he gave me a job I ended up running uh, the book yourself solid school of coach training book yourself solid worldwide, and then I took a three year hiatus. We started another company called Heroic Public Speaking together. I took a three year hiatus, did some staff, created some sales training material, some email marketing material, uh, and just recently I've become. I just can't can't ignore it. You know, the, 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 it's like the, book yourself solid. If you're not familiar with it, is uh, the most simple way of getting more clients than you can handle, even if you hate marketing and selling. It's like the, what are the foundational, fundamental, elemental building blocks of any successful business? We discussed them a lot on this uh, chat already, Thad. But yeah. Put Yourself Solid codifies this better than any system I've ever seen. It is the most ripped off business growth guide in the history of business growth guides. You know, nobody's, yeah, it's phenomenal. anybody who's running a general grow your business mastermind coaching program has almost certainly been influenced a lot A little, directly or indirectly, by Book Yourself Solid. So um, I'm back in it, all hands on deck. And what I'm looking for, Thad, is I'm looking to license some professionals. I want want to work with business coaches who are going to spread the word about Book Yourself Solid. So if you're a business coach who wants to work with the book yourself solid material, let's talk. If you're thinking about becoming a business coach and you want to get started properly, let's talk. If you're somebody who leads a team, for example, network marketing team or sales team or uh, MLM team or uh, small, but any group of small business owners, and you want to guide them and help them achieve greater success, we should talk. I'm looking to, I'm looking for resellers of the best business growth system on the planet. Is what I'm looking for, um, and you can contact me, Matthew at bookyourselfsolid.com for questions about that.
0: Yeah, it's phenomenal. I've I've been recommending it for years, and I, and I haven't, as you said, I've I've come across uh, weak imitations, and I can see where they've tried to cherry pick bits and change it. <laughs> and it's so easy to follow, and it's so comprehensive. And like I said, it's just it's 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 a wonderful system. It's it's it, it's it's so well put together. And as I said, having um, come across you in it. And I think the the great value that you add to it is it's it's good to get the book and and to do the online course, but nothing beats having someone of your experience and expertise just to put those questions to, to just unwrap it a little bit more. And I think for me, that's why I signed up originally to the mentorship program and then left to work with you exclusively just because of what you, you're too humble to say, but your mind amplifies the material that's already in there. So I do think that anyone who's interested, it's a no-brainer because you've got a system that will get you clients. And to be honest, if you apply that to the people you're coaching, you're going to get them clients, so they're going to love you. It's like, you I don't know how you couldn't win with this system. It's so simple and easy.
1: And, you know, if books were enough, schools wouldn't exist. Read the book, read it 20 times, but you're going to have to ask the lecturer a question at some point. If you want to pass pass the the exam, yeah.
0: That's the that's the value because it you could like I said I, and that's exactly the whole point. I wanted to ask you specific questions about my business, and I don't know. There's something about that validation coming from an expert that really helps you kind of solidify it in your mind and apply. it. And when it works, you're just over the moon. I mean, it's like I said, it's um, I I refer it and recommend it. I would say weekly to people. Even Good. last night, I sort of recommended it to someone who wanted to leave their job and go. I want to start freelancing full time. What do I need to do? And I just thought. I can't be asked to type it all out because all I'm going to do is here, buy this book and then come back to me if you get stuck. And you, need a, you need a shortcut. Seven to you. <laughs> you, need a, you, need,
1: you need a keyboard shortcut.
0: It is, yeah. It's always yeah. on my pasteboard. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for your time, Matthew. You've been extremely generous. Thank you, um, Thad. I really appreciate having you on and um, thank you very much. It's that means extra, extra